I'd like to get the PowerPoint that outlined. Okay, make sure everybody gets a good PowerPoint because we want you to be able to fill in all your blanks. But the main thing is, we want you to be able to receive from God to be able to be better parents, better aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, be better adults so you can influence this generation the way God wants them to influence so they can have it better than we did. Amen. I want to show you a couple of things out of the bookstore before we get to our message. Our message, of course, you see, is going to be called How to Prepare Your Children to Win in Life. But uh, we have family books, family videos, tapes, and things back there on sale for the whole month of September about families, family relationships, children, parenting, husbands and wives, and all that kind of thing. And, of course, we're having our marriage camp starting this week, so it's, everything's built around family this month. But this, here's a really good book focused on the family, The Power of Teachable Moments. And I'll talk about that when I'm doing my sermon today, The Power of Teachable Moments. And then this one here, uh, Kid and Truly Blood. If anybody was raised on Willie George or, you know, if you're our age, then you raised your kids and grandkids on Willie George. And, and uh, Ken Blunt was Nicodemus in the show and in the videos that him and Trudy had been here before. But this is called Parenting Teenagers, a parent's guide for helping your teenagers navigate their life through the rocky road of adolescence. adolescence. And so uh, teenagers, what a challenge this is today. For a teenager, this is five CDs that uh, have a lot of wisdom. Those people are loaded. We're Facebook friends with them. They have a lot of good things on Facebook. But anyway, those are all 20% off the bookstore for this month. So this would be a good time to get them. I wrote, I wrote down some things from my heart this week. So I, I want to go through what I wrote down because it will express it better than maybe take a chance on rambling. But it prayed about this morning's message. I kept seeing the faces of all the young parents in our church. We have a lot of young parents. And I kept seeing uh, some are married, some are not married, some are single. And so we have a lot of parents. And some have a smile and joy about their, about their newborns, the little ones that are in school, because everybody's in a different place in life with their children. And then some of them... Uh, have teens that are just beginning to learn about the real world. And so there's a whole lot out there. And then I see a much different world than the one I grew up in back in Indianapolis in the 50s and 60s. Mrs. Pastor alluded to that. And, you know, if you're up to our age or somewhere around our age, you know, things have changed. And things, I, I see things change drastically from year to year, from decade to decade. I see things changing. And most of society, back when I went to school, most of society recognized and respected authority. And those in authority earned respect because they respected God's ways and they respected people. I want to say that again. Our society's changed so much. I see the authority thing that back when I was growing up, people in authority earned our respect. Our principal in our school. I went to the same school for eight years. Then I went to the same high school for four years. And teachers, for the most part, and principals, they earned our respect. They wasn't mean, browbeaten people, but they were serious people. And 
There wasn't any game with the parents. There wasn't very many goofy parents back then. I mean, I know there's, there were some, but for the most part, most parents were like my parents. My parents were not Christian parents. They had the fear of God in me. My parents had seven kids. Dad had a standing rule about school. If I ever hear you get a whipping in school, when you get home, you get twice what you got there. And you know the bad thing about it for me, or the good thing about it, I knew he meant it. And I knew, I knew my dad and my mom backed up the principal. They backed up the school. But you know what? The schools then did right too, though. That's the thing about it. They, they did right. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that everybody was Christians everywhere, but pretty much society was moral everywhere. They did still have the Ten Commandments up in a lot of places. Nobody gave it a second thought if a government official opened a meeting with prayer or prayed on the news or anything. Nobody gave it a second thought if you had a politician running for office and they read out of the Bible. It was a different society back then. And I, I think about those things. I think about the policemen. And what I've seen happen over the years, I'm getting off my notes. I really, I got to get back there. But I think about this authority thing. Back when I grew up, everything wasn't that mean teacher's fault. Everything wasn't that mean neighbor's fault. Everything wasn't that mean policeman's fault. Everything wasn't, oh, that judge has got it out for my family. It wasn't that. It was personal responsibility even for sinners. Sinners had enough of the fear of God in them from generations of this nation being a God-fearing nation that parents knew that if there's something going on, I'm going to change my family. Now, in praying about what the Lord began to show me about our church, listen to some of these things to write down to me. There are nuggets of wisdom from God I saw about how to help all of you be better parents so your children can have it better. Many of you young parents were raised by kids. What do you mean you're a parent, you were raised by kids? That is, a parent or parents that were still very young and trying to figure out what life was about had babies. How do babies raise babies? How do kids, barely out of puberty, raise kids? How do they do it? Well, the sad thing is, a lot of times they haven't, and they didn't. Uh, maybe you were raised by grandparents or an aunt or an uncle. You know, maybe raised by somebody else. And I want to say, I commend you that have taken the challenge to love and raise somebody else's kids. That is a challenge. Take somebody else's in and raise them. And so the thing is, talking to you young parents, I mean, talking to all of us, because we all want to help people. So even as older ones from my generation, all of us, to be able to help somebody, I learned years ago in pastoring and ministering for marriage counseling and helping people, the number one law, I learned this years ago, the number one law of communication is being able to see through the eyes of the other person. You've got to see what they're seeing from their perspective. And when you look at people that never, ever, ever had a dad and a mom married together, living in the same household, they're seeing something different than we're seeing. 
If you see people that were raised by grandma and grandpa or aunt and uncle or by multiple adults, they're seeing something different than we're seeing. If we're going to help people, to love people, and not just to condemn people all the time, we got to be able to see what they're seeing and then be able to communicate the principles of God's love and His Word in the way that they can see what we see from the Word of God. And so, some of you have never really experienced God's best according to the Bible of a God-ordained family, and I feel so sorry for you and want to help you and your children. I want to help you, but all of you have one thing in common now. No matter what your status in life is now, married with children, unmarried with children, or whether you're even young parents that are still children yourself, and you're trying to figure out, what am I going to do with my baby? What am I going to do? How am I going to do this? You all have one thing in common. You have a child or children. You want them to have it better in life than you did. Isn't that the one common denominator we all have? You want your children to win. You want them to have it better than what you did. And so you're at the right place to get help. You're at the right place to get help. And as a pastor, I always got to remind myself that the people that come in here want help or they wouldn't be in here. And so we're never, ever, 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 ever this church in the rock-throwing business. We don't stone people, but we help people because people come in and want to get help. And so God made you, and he knows who you are and where you are in your walk with him right now in life. God knows every one of us where we are, how well we know him, how much we know about his word. He knows what our prayer life's like. He knows what our desires are. He knows where we are. And he knows all about your past and what you need to do to prepare your children to win in life. I was in my backyard yesterday, 98 degrees temperature, and I was with Joel. How many know Joel, my little grandson? Well, Joel was with me, and it was 98 degrees, and we take the grandkids over on rotation and let them stay for a night or two at a time. And so Joel wanted to go out. So yesterday after we went out, I looked at my thermometer in my garage where, by, by the patio where we go to the backyard. It said 98 degrees. I thought, wow, it's hot out there. And so anyway, he had this thing called a Nerf gun. Anybody ever heard of a Nerf gun? Well, we never had Nerf guns when I was a kid, but they got this thing called Nerf guns. And so he had these really fancy Nerf guns, had one for him, one for me. They had three darts in each one, little Nerf dart things. And... Uh, I said, how far does that thing shoot, Joel? And so it shot all the way across my yard, way back there to the oleanders. And so Joel and I and Grandpa by this time been up all day long, and my youth is renewed like the eagle, but I didn't want to stand to shoot. I wanted to sit in my lawn chair and shoot. So we sat on this side of the yard and sat here, and we set up a little round target across the yard, and when we'd aim at this target and shoot, sometimes it would overshoot, Sometimes it would undershoot, but we wouldn't hit the target very much. Now listen to this. Remember that book I showed you, Power of a Teachable Moment? Joel said, well, Grandpa, let's get closer to the target. I said, no, Joel, we don't lower the standard of the target. We improve our aim to hit the target. He said, Grandpa, what's that mean, lower the standard? I said, that means... 
We don't want to change the target. We want to change us so we do better at hitting the target. That's where we are in families, in child training. God's Word is God's target for our lives. God's Word is God's standard for our lives. America's big number one problem is not the wrong politicians in office. I want to tell you what, without, without God working in the life of the politicians, of the people of our nation, I don't care who you get in office there. Without God backing them up and helping them, our nation is not going to do very good at all. The politicians and the people of our nation for generation after generation after generation has lowered the standard and lowered the standard and lowered the standard. And that's why our children don't know what's right. Because the standard's lowered. The only way we, as Christian parents, that's what I'm talking about today's parenting, as Christian parents are going to be able to change the direction of our family, of our children, our grandchildren, we've got to start raising the bar in our families. We've got to start raising the standard for right and wrong. And let me tell you something. I've got notes I look at and I can say it, but I wanted to say this. I do my very absolute best to be a really nice guy, to be a really nice guy. My heart hurts so bad for young parents today. I have eight children. I think we have 12 grandchildren now. Is that what we got, 12? Got 12 grandchildren now. And I look at you guys. I look at your children. I look at your grandchildren. All I want to do is help you. Now, I want to say this. Look at my age. I'm 65 years old. I came out of the 50s. I came out of the 60s. Sometimes I say things and phrases different than what modern generations say it. I don't want to be politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. So when I'm talking today, listen to my heart. And if I say something wrong, it's not politically correct. Throw it away. But listen to the heart. Because my heart was to tell you, What's right? And, you know, Joe's in the Marines now. And, you know, the Marines have a saying, no pain, no gain. And so what that means is this. The preacher might step on your toes today about some things. If I do, that doesn't mean, well, I woke up today and said, dear Lord, what could I do to be mean to people today and cause them to get mad? No, my prayer was, Lord, give me the words Give me the tenderness. Give me the things that will help people not hurt them to help them to do better. But also, Lord, give me the boldness to be able to say what you need to say. Because these families are coming into my church every week. And I see their pain. I see their cries wanting to help their children do good. So, Lord, help me to say what's right and not to say something stupid. That'll just be stupid, but help me say things plain that'll help them. Amen. Could you understand that? So how many cut me some slack in case something comes out stupid? I don't want it to. But if it does, I teach my staff and I teach leadership this. Leaders and other people have to be people people 
that if somebody sometimes, as a, one of my leaders talks to somebody and the person says something stupid, I say don't judge people off one thing they say. Look at their life. Look at their character. Sometimes people say things that don't come out right, but you judge their character. Amen. Amen. And so anyway, God's standard, God's goal for all of us and our children has never changed with the times. I want to say it again. God's standard has never changed with the times. Third John 2, don't look at it, write it down. Third John 2 has never changed. God said for his children, above all else, I want you to prosper and be in health. That's a target God wants us to hit, but that's equivalent, he said, on your soul. What are you doing about your spiritual man? What are you doing about your mind to get your mind changed with God's Word to think like Him? I want to tell you right now, you young parents, I'm talking to every young parent in here. I'm talking to every grandparent in here. God's standard hasn't changed. The target you're aiming for is God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in health. He doesn't want you sick. He doesn't want you broke. That's the goal. John 10.10, write that down. Jesus said the devil's the one that comes to steal, kill, destroy Jesus said, he came so you could have life, and that more abundantly. And so, things have never changed in the spiritual realm. There's bad, which comes from the devil, and there's good, which comes from God. And Jesus said, I want you to enjoy your life. He did not say, I want you to enjoy how to sin better. He said, I want you to enjoy life. When you're not broke, and you're not sick, and your children are doing good in life, things are going well, you're enjoying life. You're going to have seasons sometimes where you don't, you don't like what's going on around you, but you can still have the joy of the Lord. You can still have peace on the inside knowing that you're on the right road and things are going to turn because God said so. Amen? And so the, Bob's got, the Bible's God's standard for victorious living. Society has lowered the standard for generations, but it's still possible to raise our aim and attain to God's best. My family and many others in this church and around the world are living proof. There's a lot of living proof all around you that you can serve God. You and your children can live long, live strong, succeed in life without compromise of morality as defined in God's holy written word. Without compromising the standards, morality, and God's holy written word. And so anyway, I'm going to show you some things and look some things today that my wife and I and many others have lived and proven us for nearly 40 years of what works. And I, I want to say it again. We've got eight children. They're all at different levels of life and things going on. But none of our children are out in serious trouble anywhere. Some of them go through hard times and some, some of them go through challenges sometimes that we don't like. But we work with them and we help them and they're all doing good for the most part. And so I'm very passionate, very passionate as a dad, as a granddad, and as a spiritual father. As a spiritual father to many of you. I'm very passionate about this. And so I want to help you. And so... How to prepare your children to win in life. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5.
And, you know, I want to say this. If I'm just a man that's got a gift from God to be a spiritual father, how much more does your heavenly father want to help you to win and your children to win in life? How much more? You know, Jeremiah 3.15 says God will give pastors his heart to feed people's knowledge and understanding. Well, if what I'm preaching right now is the heart of God, how much stronger is his heart for you than even what mine is with his help? And so, stay tender-hearted, stay teachable. I'm going to keep it simple and keep it practical because I myself am tired of seeing you young people. And by young people, I guess I could say anybody 40 or younger might be young than me. If I'm 65, then 40 is young. Even 50 is kind of young because I'm still 15 years older than 50-year-olds. But basically what I'm seeing is 20 years olds. 30-year-olds, because this generation have basically been raised by kids as society really took a nosedive 40 years ago, really started going down. So Ephesians 5.1, in the King James says, be followers of God as dear children. But the Amplified Bible really tells it a whole lot better. Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy Him. Follow His example. As well-beloved children, imitate their father. As well-beloved children, imitate their father. As well-beloved children, imitate their father. And I want to say this. If there's not a father in the home, I am, once again, I am not throwing darts. I'm not throwing stones. Our society has changed so much the last few generations that I'm not blaming any of you young mothers that are doing your best to raise kids without a dad. Because things have changed where that you haven't seen much. And so your children, mothers, are going to imitate you. And if you want them to be able to imitate a father, bring them to church around godly men, around a godly pastor, and let them see what a man of God looks like, what a man of God lives like. We have a lot of functions going on all the time. We have softball games going on, and I can't speak for all pastors. I love my church. I love my church people. We go to most of the softball games, and they get to see the pastor out there in a pair of shorts and tennis shoes or sandals with a ball cap on and a ball shirt, eating popcorn, eating hot dogs, nachos, drinking Cokes, hearing, belching some. I hope not. I hope not, but sometimes. And so what am I saying? If your children have never seen what a godly father acts like. I do my best not to let him down, but when I'm out there, I want to say, I don't believe it's not how you win or lose, but it's how you play the game. I do believe in playing right, but I want to win. I cheer for my team, but I don't cuss. I get excited, and I get very upset with the umpire sometimes, but I don't cuss them out. I pray for them. And sometimes I shake their hands, and sometimes I say, because it's a Christian league, sometimes I say things like, man, praise the Lord, good game. I'm, I'm praying for you. They go blue for my team. <laughs> no, what am I saying? I'm saying for you young mothers, there is a way for your children to still see godly men. You need to hang around church more. Come out to work days and watch how a godly man acts if he hits his thumb with the hammer. Does he cuss or does he praise the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus, I'm healed? 
you know, what happens when strife tries to come in between people in church? They need to see how godly people handle strife and different things. You see what I'm saying? And so the Bible says right here that well-beloved children do imitate their father. That's what it says. And so for your fill in the blanks, what children see, what children see is what they'll be. If you don't like what your children are, are being, then ask yourself a question. What are they seeing? And we do baby dedications around here. I don't know how we do them now. I guess we get a bunch of babies or they got on schedule for every couple, two or three months or something. Anyway, we do a lot of baby dedications. And I learned from God through his holy word years ago, the number one thing about a baby dedication is a parent dedication. How am I, uh, don't hit too many bunny trails, how am I going to with sincerity of heart, and I dedicate babies because we love babies and we'll do this right, but how am I going to see a couple dopers, thugs, people living very horrible lifestyles come in here, want me to dedicate their baby, which I'll do, and have very much hope for that baby's future when I know they're going to leave here and go back out to where they are. And that baby's going right back out to the thug world, to the dope world, to the fighting world, to that wretched climb where they are. And I want to say it again, I'm not being mean. I'm being realistic with the Word of God. Because the Bible says they're going to imitate their fathers. I can have that little innocent baby up here and pray for that little baby. But if the ones raising that baby aren't going to be in a different atmosphere that baby's going to turn out just like the ones raising it. And so if you don't like the direction your child is going in, then you better stop, look, and listen at your own lifestyle. I could probably stop preaching right there and give you enough right there. I could go home on that. If you don't like the direction that your children are going in right now, if you don't like words that are coming out of their mouth, if you don't like music they're listening to, if you don't like the way they're treating other children, stop looking and listen at your own lifestyle. Because what they see is what you'll get. What they see is what you'll get. What kind of people... Now listen to this. I'm writing some things down that I believe are nuggets from Holy God talking to parents today. Listen very closely. This almost makes me weep when I see some of the things that he gave me to tell you today. What kind of people do they see you hanging out with? That is, who will be their heroes in life? Your children's heroes are going to be people that you hang out with. Definition of a fool, keep doing the same thing over and over, expect to get different results. You young people, if you're honest with yourself, you stop and look at yourself, you're imitating right now the ones that were your heroes. 
the ones that your dads, your moms, if you had a dad, you know, I know this, this is not to hurt somebody, but I know so many children, young people in the church don't even know who their dads are. Yeah, that's just so sad. But your heroes, young parents, are the ones that brought you up and the ones they hung out with. That's who your heroes are. That's who you're imitating. And so, if you want something different, you must do something different. We're talking about how to prepare your children for success. If you want something different for your children, you've got to do something different. As an assignment, now write this down. When you get home, I'm not going to turn there now, study James 4 in the Living Bible, New Living, New Living Translation of the Living Bible, James chapter 4. It reveals a major reason of why so many parents are losing in the parenting battle. James chapter 4. I want to quote just one verse, actually two verses, verse 2 and verse 3, out of the Living Bible. It says the reason you don't have what you want is you don't ask God for it. And then it says, and even when you do ask, now listen to this. I'm talking to parents, probably some grandparents even, but especially young parents. For the times you've been raised in, what you've seen around you. This is the Bible talking. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because, listen to this. Remember we was talking a while ago about aiming at the target? The Bible says your whole aim is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You want only what will give you pleasure. You want only what will give you pleasure. Oh, stay nice, Pastor. Stay nice, stay nice, stay nice. Oh, one statement, one statement, one statement. It gave you pleasure to have the sex to have the baby. Now have some pleasure in raising the baby. Amen. 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 You know, it started off, it started off as fun, but now you got a lifelong person going to be there. How's that person you brought in this world going to turn out? I can look at your life, how you're living, I can prophesy how they're going to turn out if you don't change. I'll look at some lives, how their parents are living, and I can prophesy how they're going to turn out because they did change. And so, he said, your whole aim is wrong, you want only what will give you pleasure. Can I speak to you now about what you need to hear, not what you want to hear? What you need to hear, not what you want to hear? Too many Christian parents are self-seeking, not God-seeking. Self-seeking, not God-seeking about their children's future and success. If you want to prepare your children to win in life, you must think long-term. You must think long-term future results instead of short-term temporary, temporary fun and pleasure for yourself at the expense of your children's future. Are your toes hurting yet? This, this is a checkup. You must begin thinking long-term. Future success of your children, not your short-term pleasure the long-term for your children's welfare. Many years ago, Mrs. Pastor and I drove 30 minutes one way 
take our children to Christian school. I love the results. Now our son and his wife are doing the same thing with their children. They're taking their children to Christian school. And listen to me closely. I am not preaching against public schools. Every person in here has different places in their life and what they're doing with their families. It's all a choice for everybody what they're going to do. My wife and I had the conviction we wanted our children to go to Christian school. And we homeschooled. Some went to public school. And so we know there's all different arenas out there, but it takes a lot of pain, a lot of sacrifice to pay tuition. You're paying taxes already for the schools. Then you start paying tuition for your school. And then in addition to that, no school bus stopping at the house every day, take your kids to school to feed them. You're buying their lunches. You're taking them to school. Extra time every day, extra gas every day. We were never thinking, oh, we have to get up so early every morning to do this. We have to stop in the middle of the afternoon to go do this. Oh, we have to take this money and buy these lunches. We have to do all this stuff. All we thought was we want our children to be raised in a different atmosphere. And I want to say it again because we have school teachers in our church and lots of churches in Barstow and around. School teachers, to me, Christian school teachers, are some of the biggest, most anointed missionaries in our whole world. These school teachers go into Heathenville every day. They go into a war zone every day. They go in every day with their hands tied to gag on their mouth to be able to share the love of Jesus to help these precious little children every day. They go in every day, and my, my grandchildren went to Sunday school for a lot of years, and we went to a lot of plays over there at Cameron. We went to a lot of plays. We went to a lot of functions over there. I could not believe the 14, 15-year-old mothers and things I saw in that school of little babies. And I'd go over there and see these parents. Some of these parents looked like they were 17, 18 years old, had kids in kindergarten. And look at the things going on over there. And to think that every day these teachers have tried to help these kids grow up that are breaking the kids. Have worked with these people. Such a challenge, 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 challenge. And so I'm saying I, I'm well aware of what the real world looks like now. It has really, really changed. But I'm also saying this, that parents have choices. I thought long-term for my children, and now it's talking about the children. We have, I, have, I have a, son, a, a grandson that's an Army Ranger. We have children, grandchildren, I mean, from every phase, et cetera, et cetera. I've got, I've got, I've got children that are older than probably two-thirds of this congregation. So we have all kinds of ranges of children and grandchildren and things like that. But I see something that happens when you hold a standard high. Yesterday and this morning, Joel stayed at our house. I'm in my prayer closet going over my service stuff. Yesterday morning, Joel comes in. Grandpa, and he wasn't playing up to me. He was very serious. Grandpa, can you teach me the Bible this morning? It wasn't. Grandpa, man, that big game's coming up. You want to go watch the game, Grandpa? Nothing wrong with watching the big game. But 
I love the fact that my grandson now is doing I used to see Joshua and David when they were growing up. I'd see them when they were little old kids this tall. David got a little bucket or box or something to stand on. Josh did the fake guitar. And, 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 and David on a little box or something he stood on preaching when they were little bitty kids. Uh, wonder why that happened. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children imitate dad. What was dad doing? He wasn't playing the guitar. <laughs> I was preaching. But let me tell you on the reverse side of the coin how my life started off. Love, you may not know this. Some of you do. Some of you don't. I could not wait when I was growing up for dad and mom to finally pass out early Saturday morning so me and my brother would get the booze and the cigarettes. We were imitating dad and mom. My dad and mom were champion drinkers and fighters, cussers, smokers. They wasn't dopers. They wouldn't do that in the redneck part of Indianapolis back then. But my family, my parents made did this on purpose. They bought a house across from the tavern when I was a little kid. And my family could just, when I had to take a chance to get caught for drinking and driving, just walk across to the bar until they got loaded this stagger back into the house and pass out at home. And so what did I do as a child? I could not wait. I could not wait. I was old enough to follow my big brother in to where they kept their booze locked up. My dad put a lock on the cabinet. My brother was a really, really, really good burglar, I guess. He'd go in there. He knew how to unlock the cabinet and would get the booze out. And then he'd take dad's whiskey and fill it up with water and take half it up, put water in, and put it back in the cabinet. And then when dad was loaded up, he didn't even know he was drinking watered down whiskey. He just drank it because we were there passed out ourselves. And they were so loaded, they didn't know we were passed out. What are you saying, pastor? I'm saying some of you parents in here right now have people like that that are influencing your kids. Some of you parents may be influencing your kids like that right now. I wonder why they're doing what they're doing. Praise God, I had one godly influence in my life, Grandma Price. My mom's mom was the only Christian I knew in the whole world. Grandma took me to church, took all the kids to church that would go. When I got born again, I changed fathers. I didn't want to imitate my drinking, boozing dad and mom anymore. I wanted to start imitating the godly preachers I saw. Preachers became my heroes not my drunken uncles. I cannot tell you the stories I heard when I was growing up about my family's history down in Georgia being bootleggers. How they came up from Georgia to Alabama, the bootleggers. I actually, when I was a kid, my dad's uncle, which my great uncle, was one of the biggest bootleggers in his county in Alabama. They had what they called dry counties in Alabama. They couldn't sell booze. Well, my great uncle was a big bootlegger. We'd go down there to my great-uncle's house, the bootlegger. Well, that's my dad's hero, so what did it make it to be? I remember on my dad's other side of his family, one of the biggest bootleggers in Indianapolis was my dad's uncle, which is his mother's brother. I remember how I'd see my uncle's picture on the front page of the newspaper as a gangster. They called him, he was part of the, they called it the mob. Costa Nostra, what they call it, whatever. Anyway, that's what my great uncle was a part of. So if that's my dad's heroes, who do you think became my heroes? Just wait till I get big enough. I can be a bootlegger too. My children haven't seen that. My children think, I just, wait till I get big enough. I can preach too. Wait till I get big enough. I can sing too. 
Wait till I get big enough. I could be an usher too. See, I'm telling you right now, if you want to change the direction your children are at, it's not just coming to church on Sunday morning hearing this today. It's changing what you're doing when you leave here. It's what you're doing on Tuesday. Who are you hanging out with on Saturday morning? Who's coming into your house on Friday night? That's the ones going to be your children's real heroes. Well, I'll tell you what, some of the looks I'm getting right now, maybe I better crawl in here and hide for a while. Are we dealing with truth? Yes. Amen. And so look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And what's this whole thing all about? I'll tell you what. If I can get out of the curse for my family, you can get out of the curse for your family too. I want to say it one more time. My family lived under a curse. I cannot tell you some of the evil things that my family did. I had some really, 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 really bad people in my family. My biggest, my biggest hero growing up was my mom's brother, my uncle. And my best stories he told me was his in the reformatory when he was, I think, like 15 years old. He was raised in the reformatory. Then he got out. He never went back again because he learned to be such a good crook. All of the kids looked up to Uncle Chuck. Uncle Chuck was such a good con man. Sad thing about it, some of my brothers bought the lie all the way. They never came out of it. I went back and did my younger brother's funeral, what was it, 2007, I think, from California. Because my young brother swallowed the lie from my uncle's lifestyle so long, such a hero. And he was a hero to my dad, my dad's brother-in-law. He was his hero. And all they did sit around talking about ways to connive the police and get out of stuff. Talking about the lawyers, which lawyer you bought, which lawyer knew which judge, and all that kind of stuff behind the scenes so they still do their crook stuff and get out of it. And then all these samples boys growing up. That's who our heroes are. We could do just like that. I tell you, it don't work. I remember, have you ever heard of a preacher named Jesse DePlantis? Anyway, he's, he's kind of a popular preacher. I remember growing up that my son David really liked Jesse DePlantis, and I was at a preacher's dinner down in Texas, and Jesse DePlantis was coming past our table. We were all eating together, a bunch of preachers. And I said, hey, Jesse, I said, would you, would you write a note to my son David? I remember Jesse DePlantis wrote to David for that. And that wasn't a World Series hero. It wasn't a Super Bowl hero. That was a preacher hero. Has anybody ever noticed how Pastor Dave's kind of funny sometimes? You know why he's kind of funny sometimes? He's imitating some of the things he saw growing up. Okay. Moving right along. Ephesians 6, 4. And your fathers and mothers, provoke not your children to wrath, but let the schools bring them up. Uh, let, let the babysitter bring them up. It says, you fathers, mothers, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That means you raise your children by precept and example. 
That example is not a very popular word this morning. Because we've been looking at some mirrors this morning and seeing some things. And that's a really good thing because we look at the mirror, we can change some things. By precept example, two keys I see in this verse to successful children training. Number one, teach them. Teach them what the Bible says about how to live. Teach them what the Bible says how to live. Teach them what the Bible says how to live. Teach them what the Bible says how to live. Teach them what the Bible says how to live. Bring them up to the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Pastor Janice, when our children were growing up and now for our grandchildren too, always invested money in children's videos, at children's books that had Bible stories about Bible heroes. Bible heroes. And our grandchildren now watch them in modern versions of the same stories from the Bible. The Bible hasn't changed, but times have changed. And so it's still the same Bible stories but with more words that help children understand the principles. And they didn't. Our children, nor our grandchildren, listen to this. You know, I, I just want to say it again. I'm not doing anything to try to be mean. But if I don't talk about facts, how are you going to know what we're talking about? Our children, nor our grandchildren, are raised on phony superheroes that never talk about God but talk about evil, but talk about violence, talk about hurting people, being mean people, out, out, outlandish things that are absolutely goofy. If you want to know why your children sometimes are doing what they're doing, they're imitating what they're seeing in those videos. I'll just have a pastor's moment and think out loud. I think if I were sitting here this morning, I'd go home and look at what my kids are watching. I think I may not care if it offends grandma and grandpa or auntie and uncle that they spent $40 for that little thing. If it's corrupt to my children, I think I'd get rid of it. Now back to preaching real good. If you remember, if you want something different, you've got to do something different. Number two... For successful child training from this verse, set the example. Live what you're teaching them in public and private. Live what you're teaching in public and private. Just some questions to think about. Who are your heroes? Parents, who are your heroes? Ungodly athletes are the Christian athletes that talk about Jesus. What kind of music do your children hear you listen to? What kind of music do your children hear you listen to? Sex and drinking and violence or peace and right living type music? You know, uh, as you turn to Colossians 3, verse 21, there's some times when I just... Surf YouTube to see some things. And sometimes I'll run across the old country music heroes my dad had when I was growing up. 
which become my country music heroes when I was a young sinner. And I'll start listening to some of these old, I don't want to say their, their names. It was good music for sinners. It helped my dad and mom sin better. It helped me sin better. But I go back and listen to these country music guys. I normally get smart real quick after listening to a song or two. I think, wow, no wonder I used to think like I thought. No wonder I used to live like I lived. These guys that are my dad and mom's heroes. God bless Hank Williams. And Marty Robbins. And a lot of these guys I used to listen to a lot. If I just listen to the instrumentals now without the words I can still listen to, I'll go back and listen to those. I don't want my son to call another man daddy. I don't want my wife taken off with my neighbor and running over my dog and shooting my mom. I don't want that. I can't listen to that. I don't want to run to the bar to find my comfort in another bottle. I don't want that anymore. I can't list that anymore. I cannot imagine what modern country music, rock music, or any kind of other music out there that doesn't have a God theme in it somewhere would be like. You know, Tom, good old Tom Brown, up in our sound booth. We were talking the other day, and, uh, you know, he's really, really, really expert on music. He's talking about some, some singer person from a long time ago, and I don't think I knew the one he was talking about, because Tom knows a lot of music I don't know about. But he talked about this singer person, and then he looked at him and said, Pastor, but I can't listen to that anymore. He said, I realize now how I liked it. I can't listen to that anymore because I know what it was talking about. Now I can't listen to it. And so I want to ask you parents something. Now, once again, my whole perspective, I'm looking at young parents that are sad about the condition of their children. What are your children hearing you listen to? What kind of videos are the scene you watch? What kind of people do you bring into your house to entertain? And let me tell you something. I'm going to step on some toes really big. It's not my notes, but it's the Holy Ghost. If you want to be an evangelist to win those stupid heathen people in your life, go out there and win them. Don't bring them into your house to corrupt your children. If you want to win them, go out there. Don't bring them in and let your children see you feed them and wind them and dine them and think, wow, this is really cool hearing these guys' sex stories. This is really cool hearing how the dope they did. This is really cool hearing all the people they beat up. Boy, I can't wait till I get big. I'll beat up people too. Man, go out there and listen to the garbage out there somewhere, but bring real heroes into your house. Bring some preachers in. Bring some Christians in that live right. Colossians 3.21, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Provoke not your children to anger. Provoke not your children to anger. Children spell love, T-I-M-E, time. Now listen, we're going to be winding this down in just a minute, but you've got to get these things we're saying in the next few minutes. If 
all you ever do is give your child a list of do's and don'ts that you can't even live up to. That you can't even live up to. A list of do's and don'ts that you can't even live up to. You're going to run them, and you're going to run them away from God and away from church. Seth provoked them not to anger. And I want to show you what he's talking about in just a minute. Look at Deuteronomy 6.20. says this, And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, tell him, get away, I'm watching the ball game. When thy son asketh thee, tell him, wait a minute, I'm on Facebook. When thy son asketh thee, say, wait a minute, I'm texting my best sinner friend. When he asks you something, or she asks you something, mom and dad, did you take the time saying, when they say, what mean these testimonies, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord our God had commanded thee? And then you'll say, then you're going to stop, and you're going to lay down your selfish living, your time-consuming bad habits. You're going to make time to talk to them, answer their questions about life, and why we should go to church several times a week. Why we should go to church several times a week. If you go to ball practice several times a week, why can't you come to church several times a week? If you go to school several times a week, why can't you come to church several times a week? Man, some of you are really getting nervous. Really getting nervous. You need to tell your children why they should, why they should, why they should. If going to church for an hour or two on Sunday morning is good, well, wouldn't it be good to come at our Sunday night? At our Wednesday night, come to some other things that's good. By the way, had a great turnout for the women's meeting. Lots of young women, ladies, moms, stuff the other night. Give yourselves a hand. That was really good to come out on a Friday night. I was over there a minute and saw that. But what we want to talk about, it said, provoke them not to anger, but answer their questions. And listen to this. I didn't write a lot of notes down on this, but I want to point out something to you that you may not be aware of. You got to stay out of the ditches on both sides of the road for your children. What do you mean the ditches? Okay, there's two ditches I see parents get into. This church has both kinds of parents I'm going to describe. Number one is the too lenient ditch. That means never discipline, never correct, never control, let them run wild. Then there's another dis- dis- ditch, which is called the 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 well, my, I guess modern talk called it being a being a Nazi. So controlling, so legalistic, the kids can't do nothing except like little robots, afraid to talk because they might get smacked. Threatened with, I'm going to take this away from you. You can't do this. Corner time. Or what do they call it? Time out. Yeah, I never saw that in the Bible anywhere. All I saw was whip the butt. But anyway, that's, that's a modern thing. You can take that, do what you want to with it, but... People like to compromise the Word of God. They'd rather do the time-out thing because that's easy on their flesh. <clears throat> okay, sorry, 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 sorry. But I've seen how much good that does not do. All it does is make bitter children. Broken wrath. And half the parents sit here saying, Yeah, but my mommy did it. Your mommy was a kid. But yeah, that's all she ever did. 
Oh, boy. Man, rocks are coming now. What's the Bible say to do? It says, provoke them not to anger. And so you whip their butts like the Bible says. You talk to them while you're whipping their butts. You tell them why you're whipping them. And you don't use your hand. Somebody said, well, Mom did. Mom was wrong. The Bible says their bottom side. You get your little stick. You get your little something. It doesn't say beat them. doesn't say abuse them. doesn't say hurt them. Why do you think that God put the fat on the butt? I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. God put some extra padding on the butt so you hit the little nerve endings. You don't abuse them. You give them little smacks. And if you use your hand, then you go to caress them and love them. Say, come to me, honey. They're going to see the hand coming. They're going to jump out of the way because they see the hand. That's why you don't use the hand. The Bible says the rod. So you take care of the little bottoms like that. And then after that, and see, here's the thing about this. This gets into your time. You don't have time for Facebook then. You don't have time for texting. You don't have time for your goofy stuff. Whatever your habits are you're doing, why is that? Because your child took ten minutes out of, their, out of your day to take the time to explain to them, Honey, you don't do that. You talk to them about it. Say, Now listen, Mommy, Daddy, we're going to have to spake your bottom because the Bible then, there's not, this, not, this isn't in my notes, but we showed our children, especially the book of Proverbs, there's lots of scriptures that tell you correct them with the rod on their behind and then you talk to them. You tell them, do you know why mommy spanked your butt? Do you know why daddy spanked your butt? And then you have them talk to you about it, not in a legalistic way, but so they understand their thinking way. And then after you do that, because they know it's not in anger, you set them on your lap then. And you stroke their hair. And you talk to them. You let them know, I love you. I didn't spank you because I was mad. I spanked you because the Bible says to you to help you understand life. And here's the ditches. The legalists are beaters. They're mental abusers. They're controllers. But they're not lovers. Because they're selfish about their own life and their own things, what they want to do. It doesn't take any faith to tell a kid go sit in the corner for 20 minutes and learn nothing except get mad. Boy, this is going over real big. Well, I told you I'm from a different generation. There's things different from where we came from, but they're in line with the Bible. And so you may have been taught for time and time and time again about a lot of things that don't work. If you want something different, you got to do something different. How many, well, I shouldn't ask this question. There have had any timeouts in our house. Didn't raise our children that way. But I can tell what I've seen. When you do things like that to your children, if it happened to you, did that make you bitter? Or did that make you better? It made you bitter. You got mad. You got upset. You got all confused. But if you were raised in a home where your backside got beat on the bottom a little bit, Dad and Mom talked to you, you got better. I said, what am I doing? I'm helping you to prepare your children for future success. Whether it says your children ask you a question about why, you sit down and you talk to them you tell them why. You tell them what to do. 
I just wrote down a couple things here. It says, when your children want to know tithing, serving, helping the poor, why do we forgive others? Why do we save ourselves for the one we're going to marry? You take the time to sit down and you start knowing some answers yourself. And show them, not because the world does it, but because God says it. And then when they tell you, well, my friends don't say this, and their parents don't do this, say, well, we'll pray for them to know what God says, because here's what God says, and we want to live like God says. I'm closing with looking at these verses at the start of the chapter. The whole chapter is actually look 5 through 7. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, and all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently unto your children, and shall talk with them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you get up. This morning, as I was going over my notes that I'm preaching right now, Joel came walking into my study room. He stayed in my house again last night. Because walking in there, wears a little gray suit today. He said, me and Grandpa's wearing gray suits today. Come walking in there. I said, hair all combed back and looking nice. I said, Grandpa, can you teach me the Bible this morning? I said, oh, Joel, I'm so sorry. I said, Joel, i got to spend time with God this morning before I go preach to his people. I said, Joel, I'm sorry. I wish I could. I will again as soon as I can. But, Joel, this morning I can't do it. I'm really sorry, Joel. We'll do this. So what am I saying? This has been put into my children and my grandchildren to where they get it. At Joel's, Joel, he's going to this new Christian school now. His highest desire about going there was to get to be in the Bible club. And to be able to be in Bible competition for other Christian schools in Southern California. To be able to do that. He amazed me yesterday. I went through his book and I asked him questions. The questions he knew answers to. And some questions I didn't know answers to. He knew answers to. Well, what cemetery did he go to? He's seven years old. He's been raised in the right environment. He's did different. I want to say... Closing right now, I know that many of you are doing the same thing we do. Many of you want to or you wouldn't be here. Just take to heart the things I said today. And if I said something that come out stupid or goofy, I apologize to you. I didn't mean to. But my heart is, I've looked at you and your kids. I want to see you and your kids grow up right. I want to see, you see what I said? You grow up right too. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see... Your kids live long, live strong, not be infected by gang mentality, dope mentality, sexual morality, and all those kind of things. I want to see your kids grow up right to where your kids never have to suffer what you did in life if you suffered. I want to see your kids have a whole different life. One thing I want to say, me and Joe is shooting at that target with those darts yesterday. He said, Grandpa, move the target. I said, no. We're going to change the name better. We're going to hit the target. Just remember that. Don't try to find the easy way out. Raise your sights and you shoot higher. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up.